Ready? Born ready. Party people, you are tuning in to another episode of Where the Party At, your favorite political podcast. I'm your host, Saba Long. Thank you for rocking with us. Let's dive right in. Of course, we have to start with Sunday's Republican gubernatorial primary debate hosted by WSB-TV. So this was a matchup between Governor Brian Kemp and former Senator David Perdue. Woo! These two were going at it the entire time. In his opening remarks, Perdue focused on the central theme of his campaign to kick Kemp out of the governor's office. What was that central theme? Of course, the big lie. The big lie is that the election was stolen. He even included this in his opening remarks. So Kemp and Purdue spent about 20 minutes of the debate just on the big lie. Now, Stacey Abrams was the one person not on the stage, but who was very much part of the conversation. And the panelists asked questions about critical race theory, immigration, gun laws, those usual red meat topics for Republicans. Take a listen to this exchange about crime in Metro Atlanta and Buckhead Cityhood. It's going to be a little long, I will warn you, but a lot of their back and forth was like this. These very long comments back and forth where they were each attacking the other. Take a listen. To protect the people of our state. The big thing I come back to in the city of Atlanta is Buckhead. Why would he not let the people, people of Buckhead determine their own future? Crime is a big reason they wanted to have that vote. And I, for one, support that. His answer to that was, oh, I'm just going to keep my powder dry on that. That's not what a leader does. You've heard him tonight. Pass the buck several times. This is one. He did it again. So I call on the governor tonight. Why won't you let the people of Buckhead have a vote? Governor Kemp, if well, you would address yeah, Buckhead I'll, City. I'll be, I'll be glad to. I have kept my powder dry. You know, I've said many times the reason this debate's going on is because crime in Atlanta. People are sick of it, and there needed to be debate on that issue. But this is a legislative issue, too. You know, I know as much as you want me to be a dictator. Unfortunately, I'm not. I have to abide by the laws and the Constitution of this state. And as you know, there's been a lot of other legislators and political leaders that have weighed in on the city of Buckhead issue. But look, it's still out there. That's fine with me. But while you continue to talk about this, I'm actually doing something about crime in Atlanta with our crime suppression unit, and we're going to continue to do that. We have taken stolen weapons off the street. We have arrested, you know, uh, people that have for, uh, for drugs, trafficking, and other things that we're doing, and we're going to continue to do that. How do each of so you personally... The, I, let me follow, Jeff. I, I'm sorry, Justin. You brought 45 state patrol officers up here for a weekend to get a headline. So many people arrested, so many guns collected. Where are they today? Where are they today? Why do we only have 24 in the crime interdiction unit in the state patrol? These are things I'm talking about. Results matter. I hear all the activity, Governor, 
But r rapes and murders in Atlanta are up 40%. Murder rate's the highest in the country. I don't understand. People ask me all the time, why would you not let the people in Buckhead vote? You still haven't answered. What, what are you keeping your powder dry for? Well, the answer is it's got to pass the legislature for that to happen. Are you, you driving that? that? But let me just they say They don't that, want a let, dictator. Let they me, want a let fighter. Me, let me just say this. I haven't been just coming up here with the state patrol uh, for political purposes. We have been doing these operations for over a year. We're having to work men and women in overtime, and I'm thankful that they are so dedicated to their job. This is very dangerous. Perhaps you ought to go ride with them some night and seeing it, because it's not like a once a month kind of thing. We are on the road doing this night after night after night, and I'm committed to continuing to do that while people continue to talk whether Buckhead will be a city or not. I mean, look, that's something that's gonna have to go through the legislative process. But will, the point you is, support until that, that in, uh, the will point you support it, that tonight? No, the point what, is, you won't? the point you won't support I, that tonight. I have. Will you support I'm, the Buckhead vote? I am, I am keeping my position on the city of Buckhead the same. That's what weak leaders it's do, gonna Governor. Take, it's going to take the legislature to get behind this. That's not something. The legislature I can, gets behind the government. That's governor, not something sir. I can control. But while you're talking and interrupting me, just know the Georgia State Patrol is going after street racers. We are going after violent criminals. We are the ones that are being called when they need pit maneuvers for people that are alluding to police. We're the ones that the SWAT team has called to help in dangerous situations. These men and women make me so proud every day. They are putting their lives on the line and so are their families. And I will continue to support them as long as I'm able and honored to be serving this great state. Well, please uh, just answer this simple question as simply as you can. Do you personally support or not Buckhead becoming its own city, leaving the city of Atlanta? I'll start with you, Senator Purdue. I, I certainly do, 100%. You want it to leave I Atlanta? Will, I first said I want them to have the right to vote. That's the number one thing. But, and I fully but support, you personally... And I personally support them seceding from the city of Atlanta. As long as you enable bad behavior, you're going to get bad behavior. These people have no service up there. They're trying to protect themselves. And the only way to do that is get control of their own government. Keeping your powder dry, people are getting killed up there right now. Of course they need to have this vote. And I personally support it. Governor, you personally, where do you fall on this? No, look, I think the debate needs to continue. Oh, he's not going to answer gonna, the question. I'm going to continue to keep my powder dry, let this movement, you know, come forward or not. That's the decision that the legislature is going to make. But as the chief executive in the state, what I'm going to continue to do while everybody else is talking about it and fighting about it, I'm going to continue to keep officers in the city of Atlanta. I'm going to continue to go after violent criminals and street racers and use everything that we can to be able to do that. I mean, we're using millions of dollars out of the governor's emergency fund to do this, and I'm committed to continuing to do that in the future. Now, if you were an undecided Republican voter watching the debate I doubt you walked away knowing which way to vote. Uh, their next debate is going to be Thursday, April 28th in Savannah. It is going to be airing on TV in Atlanta and across the state. And then we'll see the Atlanta Press Club debate on May 1st. That one is going to include the other candidates who were not invited to the WSB debate. So we'll see more people on the stage. Uh, by the way, Kemp just received an endorsement from the National Rifle Association, better known as the NRA. This is a big deal for Kemp for two reasons. When he ran for governor last time, he did not get their endorsement. 
You may recall he shot a commercial. He did this commercial uh, where he pointed a shotgun at his daughter's boyfriend, and there was a lot of controversy around that. Uh, but instead, Casey Cagle, who was the lieutenant governor at the time, he got the NRA endorsement because he supported the NRA and went after Delta when they ended a discount program for NRA members. Uh, the second reason why this is a big deal for Kemp is because his push to eliminate the concealed carry permit paid off. We talked about this on the show probably three or so weeks ago when we were going over the bills in the legislative session. So Kemp did this uh, in part because Purdue called him out on it uh, and to beef up his conservative bona fides. And it worked. The NRA endorsed Kemp over Purdue. So back to the debate, I would say that Purdue won the debate only because he dominated the first half of the conversation by talking about what he wanted to talk about. And that was the big lie. And that gave Kemp less time on the clock to talk about jobs and the economy and those issues that really are Kemp's strong suits. And so he put Kemp on the defensive. And for that, I would say that Purdue won the debate. Um, as I've said before on the show, barring some crazy event, Kemp will be the Republican nominee. You know, the big challenge for Purdue is if he can keep Kemp below 50% and force him into a runoff. So we'll see what happens next at their next debate. All right, keeping with the Republican theme here, we've got to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene, the most infamous congresswoman in America. She was in court uh, last week. As you may recall, I mentioned this on the show, there are a group of Georgia voters who filed a lawsuit to kick her off the ballot. So, you know that Dave Chappelle clip uh, about pleading the fifth? So, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene basically did that. Her version was a lot of, I don't recall, or I don't remember, I don't know. Take a listen to this clip. Um, did you speak to anybody in government about the fact that there were going to be demonstrations in Washington on January 6th? I don't remember. We were mostly reading information about election fraud and people signed uh, affidavits about what they'd witnessed with voter fraud and preparing to object. That was pretty much all I remember doing. Right, pr pretty much. But your testimony as you sit here today under oath is that you didn't talk to anybody in government about the fact that there were going to be large protests in Washington on January 6th. I don't remember. Okay. You spoke to Representative Biggs or his staff about that fact, didn't you? I do not remember. How about Representative Gosar? I'm sorry, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Did you talk to people at the White House about the fact that there were going to be large demonstrations in, on January 6th in Washington? I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Prior to January 6th, Representative Green, did anyone ever mention to you the possibility that there might be violence in Washington on January 6th, 2021? I don't remember. Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene was under oath, uh, but she lied repeatedly, and I don't know what's going to happen about that because this wasn't a customary trial. Take a listen 
to this clip from the hearing. I should count. Is it fair to say, Representative Green, that from election night of 2020 until January 6, 2021, your personal opinion and your wish was that Congress not certify Joe Biden as the winner of the 2020 election? Uh, no, that's not accurate. Uh, you, you believe... Now listen to something she said in December 2020. Just finished with our meetings here at the White House this afternoon. We had a, had a great planning session for our January 6th objection. We aren't going to let this election be stolen by Joe Biden and the Democrats. President Trump won by a landslide. Call your House reps. Call your senators from your states. We've got to make sure they're on board and we already have a lot of people engaged. Okay, stay tuned. Another part of the hearing that folks honed in on is when she was asked if she previously said Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is a traitor. So when she's asked, she says no. And then the lawyer asked the court to play the video evidence. And as he's saying, I'd like the court to listen to exhibit blah, blah, blah. She says, oh, wait. And she backtracks. Uh, she also denied liking social media posts that called for violence. So, for example, there was a Facebook post that read, a bullet to the head would be a quicker way to remove Nancy Pelosi. And so Marjorie Taylor Greene liked that post. But she said, hey, I'm not the only one who has access to my social media accounts. It could have been someone else on my staff. We don't know. So therefore, you can't blame me for that. So she was the first member of Congress to have to testify under oath about the January 6th hearings. And the state judge, Charles Bedreau, I might be pronouncing his last name wrong, uh, who presided over the hearings, he's going to deliver his recommendation in the next couple of weeks. And then Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger will then take the judge's findings and decide if he wants to disqualify Marjorie Taylor Greene from the Republican primary. So this could get a little tricky in the sense that if she's disqualified, then obviously folks who would have voted for her before this happens, those votes would be null. Um, and they wouldn't have had an option, I don't think, to be able to vote for another person in the primary. So we'll see what happens with that one. Uh, kind of more on the Marjorie Taylor Greene news. Uh, CNN got a hold of more than 2,000 text messages from Mark Meadows. He was the president's, uh, President Trump's chief of staff when the whole January 6th hearings or January 6th uh, fiasco went on. So Marjorie Taylor Greene sent him a, set, a text on January 6th. And here's what it read. Mark, I was just told there's an active shooter on the first floor of the Capitol. Please tell the president to calm people. This isn't the way to solve anything. And then another Georgia Republican congressperson, Barry Loudermilk, said this to Mark Meadows. He said this text is really bad up here on the Hill. They have breached the Capitol. And then at 345, this is where it really gets interesting. Uh, Trump's campaign spokesperson sent a text to Meadows that basically said, hey, we see that this is getting bad. Let's blame the violence on Antifa and the left 
And let's blame the media for trying to put all of this on Trump voters. Really smart. And I'm going to now tell you just how quickly that political spin started to spread. All right. So that that text was at 345. By 352, Marjorie Taylor Greene texts this to Mark Meadows. Mark, we don't think these attackers are our people. We think they are Antifa, dressed like Trump supporters. Um, and then one last thing about Marjorie Taylor Greene. She texts Mark Meadows on January 17th, which was just a couple of days before Biden's inauguration on the 20th. And she said this. In our private chat with only members, several are saying the only way to save our republic is for Trump to call for martial law. I don't know on those things. I just wanted you to tell him. They stole this election. We all know they will destroy our country next. Please tell him to declassify as much as possible so we can go after Biden and anyone else. That was the text. Again, this was just a couple of days before Biden's inauguration. Now, if you're not familiar with the term martial law, that is basically when the military temporarily takes over the country. And that's what she um, and other members of Congress were having a private chat about, which makes me wonder, what else are these people chatting about that we have never been privy to? All right. Uh, you guys know that we always kind of pay attention to what's happening in the unionization effort, and there's some more news. Apple employees at the store in Cumberland Mall in Cobb County have filed a petition with the National Labor Relations Board, and they have collected signed cards of support from 70% of eligible employees to form a union. That would be 107 people. Uh, so there will be a union vote uh, proposed for early May. So starting pay for Apple retail workers in Atlanta is 20 bucks an hour. Uh, the store, these workers are seeking $28 an hour. Senator Elizabeth Warren tweeted that she stands with these employees who want to unionize. I think the question is, if this passes, how quickly are we going to see this uh, in stores across the country? Now, there are some Apple store workers at the Grand Central Station store in New York City who are also unionizing with Workers United. That's the same union that is unionizing the Starbucks baristas. A little bit more on the union front. Speaking of Starbucks, there are now 30 unionized Starbucks stores. This effort is moving rapidly. On April 1st, there were nine stores. So if they keep this pace up, they'll cross 100 pretty quickly. And then the question, I guess, is how soon do they get to 500 or 1,000? Uh, so the National Labor Relations Board filed a petition in federal court asking the court to immediately reinstate three Starbucks employees who were fired by Starbucks because of their role in unionizing their fellow employees. This is a big deal. Check out this from the press release. The Region 28 Regional Director uh, for the NLRB said this, and I quote, Employees have the fundamental right to choose whether or not they want to be represented by the union 
without restraint or coercion by their employer. The faith of Starbucks employees nationwide in workplace democracy will not be restored unless these employees are immediately reinstated under the protection of a federal court order. The director goes on to say, immediate injunctive relief is necessary to ensure that the employer does not profit nationwide from its illegal conduct to protect the employee's Section 7 rights to preserve the board's remedial power and to effectuate the will of Congress. So this is, uh, again, a big deal because this court order uh, really sends a signal to Starbucks that uh, the White House or in general, uh, the Biden uh, National Labor Relations Board is going to be paying very close attention to what they are doing and they will not tolerate what they perceive to be retaliation against employees who are trying to unionize. All right, I want to update you guys on something we've talked about last year, the Harvard Youth Poll. So Harvard does a regular poll of Americans ages 18 to 29. And there are some really interesting stats from this latest version of the poll. I'm going to read through these. Uh, so that the first one, uh, 59% of young black Americans, 43% of young Asian Americans, and 37% of young Hispanic Americans feel under attack a lot in America. That's an interesting one. Next, uh, 85% of young Americans favor some form of government action on student loan debt but only 38% favor total debt cancellation. We've talked about this one a lot on the show. Uh, there's a question about what the Biden administration is going to do. Biden campaigned on canceling $10,000 worth of debt. Uh, but I do think it's interesting to note that not everyone is saying that, hey, we want everything wiped out, but we do want some form of action from the government on this. This is a big one. Young Democrats are less likely and young Republicans are more likely to vote uh, in the 2022 election. So interest among white and Hispanic voters did not change much. Uh, young Asian American and Pacific Islander voters showed an increased interest in voting in this election, young black Americans showed a significantly less interest in voting, down 13 points uh, than they did at this point in the midterms from 2018. Another interesting one, um, they agreed, the percentage of people who agreed with this statement, I don't believe my vote will make a real difference. That increased from 31% in 2018 to 42% in 2022. Another statement comparison, uh, politics today are no longer able to meet the challenges our country is facing. In 2008, that was 45%. Today, that number is 56%. Again, another one that I was like, wow, uh, a surprise here. Uh, among likely voters, 74% of Democrats and 68% of Republicans saw the other party as a threat to democracy. And then the last one I'll highlight, 
a majority, uh, that's 54% of white Americans and 49% of Asian Americans strongly agreed with this statement. I grew up thinking it was possible for me to go to college, but when you ask that question to black and Hispanics, that number was only 32% in agreement for blacks and 38% in agreement for Hispanics. And again, these are folks in the 18 to 29 demo. So if you are a candidate uh, running for office, if you're currently a politician, if you are a voter engagement organization, I encourage you to read this polling data, talk to folks in the 18 to 29 demo and find out what is going on. Uh, because what I see in, when I read this data is a lot of mistrust um, and a lot of folks who feel that the fix is in, the system is rigged. And that is not good for uh, you and I. It's not good for the country. All right, y'all, it's official unless something crazy happens at the last minute. But Twitter has accepted Elon Musk bid to buy the company for 44 billion with the B dollars. One of the big questions about Musk buying Twitter is, does that mean Donald Trump is going to be coming back to the platform? Uh, will Twitter continue to flag people like Marjorie Taylor Greene when she tweets a dangerous lie or even a threat? Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Twitter. I'm only bringing this up uh, because over time, big tech has become a huge partisan conversation. Right. So last week, Barack Obama, former president, gave a speech at Stanford uh, University, and he was talking about the role of tech and democracy, disinformation, and just how much government regulation is needed. Take a listen to a portion of his remarks. I'm convinced that right now, one of the biggest impediments to doing all of this, indeed, one of the biggest reasons for democracy's weakening, is the profound change that's taken place in how we communicate and consume information. For more and more of us, search and social media platforms aren't just our window into the internet, they serve as our primary source of news and information. No one tells us that the window is blurred, subject to unseen distortions and subtle manipulations. All we see is a constant feed of content where useful, factual information and happy diversions and cat videos <laughs> flow alongside lies, conspiracy theories, junk science, quackery, white supremacists, racist tracks, misogynist screeds. And over time, we lose our capacity to distinguish between fact, opinion, and wholesale fiction. Tech platforms need to accept that they play a unique role in how we as a people and, and people around the world are consuming information and that their decisions have an impact on every aspect of society. With that power comes accountability. And in democracies like ours, at least, the need for some democratic oversight. As citizens, we have to take it upon ourselves to become better consumers of news, looking at sources, thinking before we share, and teaching our kids to become critical thinkers, 
who know how to evaluate sources and separate opinion from fact. TV is a tool. The internet is a tool. Social media is a tool. At the end of the day, tools don't control us. We control them, and we can remake them. It's up to each of us to decide what we value, and then use the tools we've been given to advance those values. And I believe we should use every tool at our disposal to secure our greatest gift, a government of, by, for the people, for generations to come. And I hope you agree with me, and I look forward to you joining in the work. So I think that is the bigger, more important conversation here. And we, when you talk about, is Elon gonna buy Twitter? What does that mean? So over in Europe, Google and Meta, previously known as Facebook, will soon have to adhere to something called the Digital Service Act. Uh, the gist here is that users will have better information on why specific content is being recommended to them. If you think about on IG, you always get, you know, a suggested posts that you're like, I don't know why the heck I'm getting this, right? Um, and users will be able to choose an option that excludes them from being profiled. Uh, targeted advertising is going to be banned for minors. And targeted advertising will also be banned uh, specific to data around sexual orientation, religion, or ethnicity. The Digital Service Act is also going to contain some rules that make sure that the products that you buy online are safe um, and so that you would have a better understanding, a better knowledge of who are the sellers of products that you buy online. Again, I think about Instagram and the number of ads I get for one product or another that I've never doggone heard of, but I'm always getting served uh, those ads. Uh, the other thing here is that these big tech companies are going to have to give over us, uh, give over data to researchers so that they can better understand what are the risks involved? How are the, how are things trending in the way that they are? What is the impact of tech, uh, social media, things of that sort on the public? Um, another thing that the European Union, um, is saying that Canceling subscriptions, online subscriptions, also has to be just as easy as signing up for them. I think that one might be one of my personal favorites. Uh, so what happens if these big tech companies just ignore the law? So they will be fined up to 6% of that company's annual global revenue, which amounts to billions with a B of dollars. And then if they are a repeat offender, they keep doing it, they could be banned altogether from the EU. Uh, so the EU antitrust chief said this, and I quote, platforms should be transparent about their content moderation decisions, prevent dangerous disinformation from going viral, and avoid unsafe products being offered, offered on marketplaces. With today's agreement, we ensure that platforms are held accountable for the risk their pro their services can pose to society and citizens. So for me, the big question is, will the United States pass laws similar to what Europe just did? And that's the big question because of two things. One, we have um, elected officials in the Senate and in the House 
who are much older, uh, don't necessarily reflect uh, the public's use of technology and social media, don't are not able to properly ask questions uh, to the tech executives when they go before them at hearings. Uh, and then the other big part of this is just how much these companies spent on lobbying uh, just last year. And I don't even think these numbers that I'm about to tell you even include local and state lobbying. So the top four, here's how much they have spent. Facebook, 20.1 million, Facebook slash Meta. Amazon, 19.3 million. Google, 9.5 million. And Apple, 6.5 million. So big tech today now spends more on lobbying than big oil, think Chevron, uh, and big tobacco. So will we see Congress do something that protects American consumers? I sure hope so. You know, this is one of the things that always irks me about um, our policies here in America, where when we have companies that are able to do what they want, even though uh, Europe holds them to a higher standard. If you look at even the most simplest thing like ketchup, right? So look at a ketchup bottle uh, from, you know, name the major ketchup company Heinz, uh, what is in the product, uh, the ketchup product in America, and what is in their ketchup product in Europe, and American consumers are getting the short end of the stick. And I think American companies should be prioritizing American consumers. What a novel idea. All right, so uh, now to your favorite part of the show, party poopers and party starters. Turn out the lights. The party's over. The party is over. Close the gates. What? All right, party's over. Everyone go home. Are you sure you want to invite this party pooper to poop on your party? I'm the party pooper. <laughs> All right, this week, my party pooper goes to the Atlanta Braves. Not the actual team or the players, but the organization itself. What did they do? Well, they're trying to get a huge tax break to build a $200 million office tower in the battery. So there's this great blog called Filled of Schemes that breaks down sports stadia deals across the country. So I'm just going to give you the gist of what they have reported on. And that is uh, the Cobb County would issue $200 million in bonds. The Braves would buy those bonds and then they would use that money to build and furnish this office tower for Truist Bank. And then Truist Bank would rent that building from the Braves. Well, why the heck would they do that and not just go to a bank and get money for the building? So here's the thing. Number one, the Braves own the building and the land. Uh, so by having the county issue the bonds, they're going to be able to build this with super low interest rates. And then number two, they're not going to have to pay property taxes on the building for 10 years. So the Braves organization is this week's party pooper because they previously promised Cobb County that they weren't going to ask for tax breaks again. Now, you might remember that they got these huge tax breaks uh, to leave Turner Field and build the stadium in Cobb. But they're actually doing that exact same thing. They're asking for tax breaks 
Uh, but they're saying, no, 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 the tax break is not for me. It is for Truist Bank. But let's be real. Truist Bank is one of the biggest banks in the country, in the top 10. The Braves, they're raking in dough. So, no, none of them need any help funding and building a doggone office tower. So for that, they are the party pooper. Let's get it started in Party. All right. And then this week's party starter, Simon, if you're listening, this one is for you. Uh, this week's party starter is French President Emmanuel Macron. He won his reelection bid this past Sunday with 58% of the vote and defeated Marine Le Pen for the second time. If you've never heard of her, she is a far right political leader in France. You can think of her as a more right-wing version of Trump, maybe a smarter version of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, this is the closest that Le Pen has ever gotten. I believe she's now run three times now, uh, but with each run, she has gotten closer and closer. Uh, This was her first time getting into the 40s. And so Macron recognized that, uh, and he said in his acceptance speech, and here I quote, Many of our compatriots voted for me not out of support for my ideas, but to block those of the far right. I want to thank them, and I know that I have a duty towards them in the years to come. So Macron will remain president of France. Uh, His term is for five years. Um, Why should you pay attention to who the heck is the president of France? Uh, One, they're one of the most influential countries in the West. You know, a stronger France makes it a lot easier on the United States when it comes to foreign policy and how we handle things and to what extent we have to be involved in things like the crisis in Ukraine. So uh, if you are a supporter of democracy and Western ideals, uh, you would be happy uh, to hear that Macron won his reelection bid. All right, y'all, that is today's show. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, I invite you to leave a voice note, as always. You can leave a voice note about anything you heard on the show. Uh, Maybe you disagree with my party pooper or party starter. Uh, Maybe there was someone else you wanted me to talk about. You know, the whole Marjorie Taylor Greene thing, uh, your reaction to the Republican debate. You can also check out the links to the, in the show description. I'll put that up there so you can watch the debate yourself uh, if you are so inclined. Um, big tech, there's a lot to debate and consider around that. Uh, do you think that government should be regulating big tech? What is it that frustrates you about using Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, any of these companies? Uh, would love to hear from you. All right, y'all, that is today's show. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to Where the Party At, your favorite political podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, 
Send it to your friends and others who you know who are trying to figure out what the heck is going on in politics so that we can help them out and break it down. All right, y'all. Thanks. Have a great one.